see a laser cross my vision and I look out the window and there's a cop on top of a car with an M4. Oh. So I drop down to the ground, SWAT team kicks the door in, beats the shit out of me. I have birthday dinner tonight with my family. I need to get out of here. And he looks at me, he's like, you're not going anywhere for 25 to life. He's like, you're facing seven first degree felonies. Welcome back to another episode of the Adaptive Leaders Podcast. Today I have a special guest. Some of you might know him, some of you may not. He is one of the most followed tattoo artists on social media, close to 2 million followers across all platforms. He is the founder of Olympus Tattoos, the founder and creator of Tat Ventures, which we'll, di we'll dive into, founder of Olympus Tattoo Institute, Pokemon collector, NFT creator, content creator, and overall badass Winnie the Jew. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this, man. So, man, you are a super multidimensional being, and if you're not watching this podcast, like, jump on our YouTube, watch this podcast, uh, because one of the things you're going to notice is the radical self-expression that you you have embodied over the years. So I want to dive into that first. Where does that come from? Um, I've always been a very you know, expressive um, person. And I, I just am very um, self-aware, I guess, you know, it comes from just self-awareness of who I am and um, what feels right to me. And I feel like I, my sense of individualism just stems from what makes me, you know, what I know is right um, in accordance with who I am, you know, and um, a lot of that comes too from the the suppression of of that and growing up here in utah I'm, I'm i'm born and raised here in utah and i grew up in a very boxed in culture you know and coming from a very mormon family and having to live in a certain way that didn't feel in accordance with who i am and didn't feel in alignment with what felt right and what i knew was you know was who I am, um, that, that has just come out um, in a lot of different ways over the years you know, of, of breaking free from, from that box that life kind of tried to put me inside of. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the things I'm really excited about is that you're a Utah native. So mm -hmm. one of the most followed, you know, tattoo artists in the world, arguably, right? Like, I, like huh. there's, there's people out there, I think Kat Vaughn has like 9 million followers, but shit, she's been on the scene for like 20 years. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So one of the things that's really cool is if people are, like if you're from Utah, you know the bubble, you know the suppression, you know the, you know, the fall in line kind of mentality. And if you're not a, a, a you know, a certain religious background and things like that, you're, you're not going to fit in. So fitting in right in, yep. in your case yep. so where, when did that start for you have you always embodied that or was that it was our journey to get to that place um I've kind of always embodied that you know my parents would kind of try to direct me in one way and it was very against what I wanted and and who I was and it started really early you know even even as much as like for for small example my name you know my I've always gone by Drew. Everyone calls me Winnie now. Everyone knows me as Winnie. Right. But when I was a kid, I remember when I was in third grade, um, <laughs> my name was written on the board next to another Drew, you know, both spelled D-R-E-W. And I was like, I do not like that. I do not ever want to be confused with this kid. Right. <laughs> I will not be mistaken for this kid. 
And I remember in third grade, I was like, you know what? I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to spell my name how I want to spell it. And I decided in at that day that I was going to spell my name differently just because I didn't want to get mis mistaken for this kid. And so I spell my name J-R-O-O, -O, and it stuck, and it's always been spelled like that. Yeah. In hindsight, where do you think that came from? I think it came from uh, the natural human urge that we all have to be acknowledged and to to mm -hmm. be to be seen and to be to feel special and important. And that I think that's something that everybody craves. Everybody wants that. Wants to be seen for who they are. And in being raised in a world where you know everyone kind of is seen. Um, just how everyone else has seen, you know, and I wanted to be my own person. I feel like that has a lot to do with it. the the nurturing of how I grew up and wanting to branch out of of that cookie cutter um, lifestyle. I think it has a lot to do with that. So true. Yeah. And if you, if you watch his content or if you see him on social media, it's a, super unique, super unique. And it's it's awesome. Thank you, it's man. a breath of fresh air. I'm sure people have told you that you just meeting you. We need more people like you, you know, that are just radically self-expressed. Thank you. So that's really dope. What are there any other defining? So third grade, let's move on a little bit into the future. Um, when did you start getting the creative bug? Was it a bug? Was it intuitive? You know, what um, your thought philosophy? It was always intuitive. Uh -huh. I just love to create. I've always had that urge, you know, um, I just can't stop, you know. I I just feel the the need to, you know. Some people want to create. They have like a desire to create, but I have a a need to. Like I just can't stop if I'm not drawing or tattooing. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. I just have the urge to make things, you know, whether I'm uh, making an igloo in the backyard with my kids or I'm decorating uh, a gingerbread house around Christmas time like it has to be I have to do the best ever I have to mm -hmm. create to the best of my abilities and it's just like that natural flame inside of me that just like pushes me to do that and so mm -hmm. it's just always been like that I've always loved to and you know it's cool my mom even though she hasn't always understood that she's always supported that and she's saved every drawing and painting that I've ever made since I was like two I have finger paintings that I made when I was like two and three years old and so it's it's cool to look back and and see you know the progression of how things evolved because I've always just felt the need to mm, yeah and when you're saying that the 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 mastery of your craft is so apparent in a I saw a social media I saw something on Facebook that you posted or on G on IG and it showed your tattoo artistry at, in 2011 and then 2020. Mm -hmm. let, me, let me pull it up. What does that mean yeah. to you? Oh, man. Dude. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody who has definitely incrementally grown and, and been through it. You know, that path of mastery. Thank you earned you. it. You can't fake the funk with that. Thank you, man. That, that, that means everything to me. And that's, I, I, I posted that because at the time... When I did that first tattoo in 2011, I I was aware that like it was not good, you know. Um, but at that time, you know, especially being here in Utah, there wasn't a lot of of help, and I I didn't have mentorship at the at the beginning. I I was self taught. I taught myself how to tattoo. 
um, when I was 16, 17 years old, just by going and wanting to do it. I was just intrigued by the art of tattoos, but I didn't have an apprenticeship. You know, tra traditionally, tattoo artists learn how to tattoo from another tattoo artist, and I didn't have that, but I wanted to. I wanted to so bad be able to do the tattoo like in the, the that second tattoo. I wanted to be good. Um, I just didn't have the the type of guidance and tools to do that. And so the reason why I shared that picture was to give hope because I, I know that a lot of people um, get down and that's something that I'm really grateful. I've always had the, you know, and not to the level that I do now, but I've always had that mental toughness, you know, and like my upbringing um, gave me a lot of mental fortitude, you know, the, the adversity and trials and tribulations that I experienced that gave me that mental toughness to, to push past the doubt that the external world had, you know, had tried to place upon me. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I like to share that, to give people hope that are in that place that are at the beginning and having people shit on their dreams or their work at the current time and letting people know, like, look, I did not have the easiest path. I was once the worst tattoo artist in the world, really, you know, and um, just to give hope and, um, to hopefully, you know, give even just one person that that plant that seed in their mind that like, if he made it from this place and like to see where I'm at now, because a lot of people will see the work that I do now. Um, I have a really, you know, like you said, I have a really big following of people that admire my work, but it's important to show the roots and show where I came from and show not only um, to be able to like show the expression and like I'm proud of that in myself, but also to give hope to people that are at that place where I was at in 2011. That's like, yo, he did it. I could do it, you know, because anyone, anyone can do it. Um, but it takes a lot of fucking work, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, and you, you just mentioned that without trials, there's no triumph, right? Mm -hmm. So what are some of the trials you went through in your upbringing? Don't get me wrong. I had a very beautiful life i've had a very beautiful life i've i've had so many amazing things happen when i'm in my life you know and i don't want to discredit the the amazing things that my parents did for me mm -hmm. um but there's also a lot of ch challenges and like hard things that that i went through um that is it's, it's an integral part of of my story and who i am um you know my my mom had me when she was 16 and we didn't have a lot, you know, growing up when, when I was first growing up. Um, and I realized this through a book I recently read um, called How to Do the Work by um, Nicole LaPera. It's about over, um, healing childhood trauma. And I didn't realize how much my very early childhood had to do with like the emotional um, experiences that I, you know, that shaped who I am. And when, so when I was first born, my biological dad went to prison for murder. He was a, he was a gangbanger um, back in the day. Um, he's changed a lot now. He's an awesome dude. Um, but that set me and my mom up for some seriously like challenging mental times, you know. And so the first maybe year or two of my life, um, my mom went on the run with me, um, you know, her, my grandma's house getting shot up by the opposing gang. Um, and 
Yeah. And so like we, we were very young. Uh, my, my mom was very young and she eventually met my dad, who's my stepdad, but he's always been my dad. That's who raised me, you know, and like they they went through a lot like neither one of them, you know, going to having a college education, just barely graduating high school and like just having to figure things out. Um, and they didn't really have you know, not only the education and schooling, but the education and how to become parents. They did that really young, you know, set two 17 year olds having three kids by the time they were 19 puts a lot on, on, you know, on two, two young kids. And so they sacrificed a lot, you know, we didn't have a lot growing up and not only like materialistically, they didn't have a lot of the mental and emotional tools and how to raise kids like you know they do now or like I do now and so there was a lot of um, things that that was part of their journey as well in you know having to learn was not the way to parent and um, you know and this is definitely something that I don't hold against my my parents anymore Um, but there it was is very abusive in a lot of ways and like very but that, but that, like, again, that's what gave me the mental fortitude to, you know, not be phased by shit now. Um, because, like, shit, I heard that from a very young age in the, like, in the, like, most direct ways, you know, and, like, in the most, like, very mental and physical ways. Um, it, I was raised in a time, like, you fuck up, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro, yeah. And so... There, there was a lot of challenges in that way. Um, and also, you know, growing up in Davis County, Utah, you know, being the only brown kid in a, you know, 99.99% white area, you know, it, it taught me a lot about individuality and being singled out as, you know, as the, as the black sheep and being looked down upon because of something that was out of my control. Um, and there was a lot of judgment um, and shit early on in in life. Um, that the that taught me a lot of of, of lessons, and I'm I'm really grateful for that. You know, and at the, at the time, it was really hard to have that kind of hatred and and um, judgment as a kid. But in retrospect, looking back, like it really formed. Um, this just tough shell that like allows me to be tough against the things that I don't want to affect me and to be empathetic and soft and loving and caring towards the, you know, situations that I see similarities in. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I want to kind of pull the thread on, but um, I don't want to lose track too much of, of what you just said. Were there any moments that were kind of your, you know, come to Jesus moments or like, you know, fork in the road type moments okay there's been a couple of those man <laughs> there was a time when i was very sad you know like I, I did let the the weight of of my trials really weigh down on me so i became a dad really young i was 18 when i had my son and that really was a big turning point for me because life had a lot more purpose at that point um but I still didn't really fully get it, you know? And I, I had two kids 10 months apart from each other, greatest blessings in my life. And I was really young, you know, I had them really young and I was still a dipshit 
you know. <laughs> I love that. They call it what it is, right? <laughs> hey, it is what it is, man. I'm very real about that. I'm very self-aware of that. Man, I was up at every turn, you know, and I was not in a place where I, I, I felt a sense of purpose, but I didn't really recognize that. And I wasn't really following that. You know, I had, I had some idea of purpose, but I didn't have a definitiveness in my purpose. And there was a time where I hit rock bottom, bro. It was, it was intense. So I, it was on my 21st birthday when this happened. I had thrown a big party at my friend's apartment and I had had my fanny pack on, my wallet inside of it, and $1,200. It's all I had to my name. And I woke up and my money was gone. Someone had taken my money out of my wallet. And I was, I freaked out. I was like, where's my money? I turned this whole apartment up. And there was two kids that were not at the party the night before, um, or who, who were at the party the night before, who weren't there anymore. And so I called them. I figured one of them had to have had my money. I was like, you guys better get back here. I'm going to come burn your house down. That's all the money I got. And this was on my 21st birthday. And w one of them comes back and he brings a gun. And dude, I grew up in Caseville, Utah. Like I, I did not grow up around that kind of like heat or violence. You know what I mean? And so like I saw his gun and I instinctually freaked out. I took his gun and I was like, that situation got so real. And I was like, okay, everyone sit down. No one's moving until I get my money. And I put myself in a position. Wait, so what happened? So he, he comes with a gun. Comes with a gun. He shows it. And then you I grab it, it. You snatch it? Or? Yeah, I'm like, pull it from his waistband. Uh -huh. And shit got so real. That was the first time I had ever held a gun. And I was freaking out. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What do I do? And I was like, shit, I've seen some gangster movies. So I was like, <laughs> everyone sit down. Ain't no one leaving this motherfucker till I get my money. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, and inside, I'm freaking out. I'm sweating. I'm just like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. And, dude, I like, I went, I went to the bathroom and, like, emptied the clip because I was just like, oh, my God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw up. Like, it was, like, so much adrenaline made me sick. One of them had, had texted someone to call the cops. So I'm sitting in this living room, and everyone is sitting on the couch. I'm standing up, and I'm, like, interrogating my, my, my friends at the time. And I'm like, I need this fucking money. Another one of you guys took my money. This is not cool. It's my birthday. I can't believe you guys would do this to me. And the blind, there's, the, there's a window behind them. And the blinds are open. And I see a laser cross my vision. And I look at the window. And there's a cop on top of a car with an M4, like, pointed right at me. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Is right. That's what I thought. I was like, oh, my God. So I drop down to the ground. SWAT team kicks the door in beats the shit out of me, pulls me out, and takes me to jail. And I'm just like, what the Welcome to 21. just happened? Yeah, Jeez. happy 21st birthday. And I, w I was like, oh, my God, I need to get out. It's my birthday. I got dinner tonight. And I tell that to, the, to one of the officers that's booking me. I'm like, when am I going to get out and get my money? Like, this is, this is wrong. I was the one that was robbed. They, have my, they took my money. I have birthday dinner tonight with my family. I need to get out of here. And he looks at me. He's like, you're not going anywhere for 25 to life. And I'm like, what? What did you just say? He's like, you're, you're facing seven first degree felonies. You're not going anywhere. And I was like, what? How did I end up in this position? You know, and so I call my mom 
And I'm like, mom, this is what just happened. And I tell her the whole story. She's freaking out at me. And all of a sudden she drops the phone and I hear my daughter scream. And she was one at the time. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And I just hear my baby like crying in the background. And she's, my mom's freaking out. Everyone's freaking out. And she's like, she, my mom picks up the phone. And she's like, Oakley just fell on top of the dog's cage and it went through her cheek. And your dumbass isn't here to do anything about it and hangs up. And I was just like, what the fuck? And that was like, I, that was fucking rock bottom for me. I was like, I realized that no one else had put me there besides myself. It wasn't, you know, I tried to blame it on my friends who had robbed me, taken my money. I tried to blame it on like the dog's kennel. Like I tried to place blame outside of myself in every way. And I was sat down in the realest way and, and faced with the fact that like, it was my life decisions that had put me in that position to be there at that moment. And that was a huge turning point for me. And in that I realized like, I am in control of my choices. I am in control of what I do, my actions. And that is what dictates how my life turns out, you know? And, and that changed a lot in my life. And I'm so grateful that I went through that. I'm so grateful that I went to jail in that moment and that I had to go through that trial because that was one of the hardest, most challenging. That was, at that point, it was the hardest thing that I ever had to do. So I'm gonna ask what all the viewers are gonna ask right now, which is what happened? What ended up happening? So um, I fought the case mm -hmm. um, and I got charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. <laughs> Um, cause I, I pissed off the kid when I took his gun. <laughs> you defended yourself. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't defend yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I got charged with telecommunications harassment for when I called them and told them if they didn't bring my money back, I was going to burn their house down. Mm. And all the other charges were dropped. I paid a lot for a lawyer to, to help me out in that situation. And I was sentenced to 300 days, um, in jail. And so I had fought the case for a year and then I spent another 300 days in jail for my sentencing. And it was crazy in, in that moment, like when I thought that I was never going to be with my kids again, I was like, how am I ever going to replace my presence in my children's life if I can't be there? Cause like my biological dad didn't get to be a part of my life for the first 15 years because he was in prison. I was like, I cannot believe that like, I'm going to have to do something like, I, I did that to my kids. How can I ever replace my life, you know, my presence in their life? So I wrote down every good thing that I ever knew, that I had ever learned. And I love writing. I'm very well-spoken. And I was like, I can write a book for them. So I wrote, I hand wrote a book for my kids. It's like a playbook of like all of the good attributes that I would want them to have. And I illustrated the whole thing for them. And that's what I did with my 300 days in there. And I, um, and I'm also very grateful that I went to jail because I, I was sat down in timeout. It, it forced me to, you know, be faced with that type of discipline. It taught me discipline and it taught me a lot of good habits. That is where I started waking up early every day, started making my bed every day, started writing in a gratitude journal every day, started reading and writing every day. I read 142 books in there. I wrote oh. every day. I made my bed every day. I, I was like very disciplined and I came out a more refined person and mm -hmm. I came out with a lot of recognition, you know, that 
I'm in control of my life. Even if I'm placed in a situation that was, you know, what I thought was out of my control, it was my choices that put me there. And what am I going to do about it now? You know, and I've carried those habits and that, you know, that mental fortitude forward, you know, and I, I made a lot of goals in there. I made a lot of plans in there that have come into fruition. That's where I decided I wanted to get out, become the greatest tattoo artist ever. I wanted to open my own shop. I named my shop in there. And, you know, years later, I finally opened it. And, like, I started to manifest all of these um, these things that I, I once thought were dreams, you know. And I'm glad it happened, man. It was It was intense. But that was a huge turning point in my life that made me realize, like, I can be what I want to be. I can be who I want to be, and I'm in control of that. Thanks for sharing that, man. Yeah, man. It's crazy how rock bottom can really build people. Like, I was imagining Goku in the hyperbolic chamber or whatever that thing's called, mm-hmm. where he just fucking 100 times gravity of Earth and just training to become that. That's that's what it sounded like the 300 days, the 10 months in, mm-hmm. in prison was for you. Or was it jail? Jail. Jail. Yeah. You transition out of it. You know, it sounds like you got a whole new lease on life. Like, the, the causation of your actions were, were probably visceral at that point. It's like, oh, shit. Every action has a consequence. I get mm-hmm. that now. Now you're you're envisioning the type of person you want to become, mm-hmm. right? Would you say it happened overnight, like in that year in jail, or was it still kind of uh, for you uh, a journey before you became this, you know, the person you are today? Was it? What, did you still have to have a few, you know, trials and and, and learning lessons throughout that time? You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like not nine day. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It taught me a lot, and it made me grow up in a lot of ways you know there was still a lot of of work to be done you know and there was still a lot of situations that put me in the place to you know to have to experience um serious moments of growth and you know hard realizations like that um but it definitely set me on my path you know i got out um and it was it was a challenge to assimilate back into life but i had a, a lot more tools in my in my utility belt to to use in that and so i came out had no money to my name had to figure out how to how to build off of that um, but there was still a shit there was still a lot of of hard lessons um to come but that definitely like set me on my path to in, especially in tattooing you know because i knew without a doubt, like, that is what I wanted to do, you know, and I had, I had known that, I had made that choice already, but it, that choice became very real after that, you know, because there was a time after that, that I was, like, working towards um, wanting to tattoo, really becoming the artist that I am now, and the person that I am now, but I had made the choice before then, you know, before all of that happened, I, I was going to school full-time, I was playing rugby up at the U of U, and so I was like going, to, pretending to go to school, but really just I was up there to play ball. Yeah, you know, and I was working two full time jobs, but I knew that I wanted to tattoo, and I knew that I had to dive into that and dedicate myself to that. And so I had quit both of my jobs and dropped out of school on the same day. I remember the day that I told my parents that <laughs> they were like, "What the hell are you thinking? Like, what have you done?" And I I remember like it was yesterday, man. I had just told my mom. And she's like, wait till your dad gets home. <laughs> so he gets home. He had just gone. And I remember where he went because of the conversation that we had. But he had just gotten home from getting my mom food at Arby's. He pulls up. I tell him, I'm like, Dad, 
quit both of my jobs and I dropped out of school today. And I'm going to tattoo. And he's like, okay, here's what you're going to do. I was just down at Arby's and they had a sign in the window that said that they're hiring. You're going to go down there and get a real job. And I was like so hurt that he didn't see tattooing as a real job because like I, I had the vision for what I wanted to do, you know, and, and, you know, to, to his credit, he was just trying to be good dad. He was trying to look out for me, you know, and he just didn't understand what I was wanting to do. But that was one thing that I've always been very, you know, very sure of is like when I know that I want something, I know that I can get it. Um, and I was like, dad all due respect you go get a job at Arby's like, oh, shit. <laughs> I know what I want to do yeah, did yeah. you just hear me I have a real job I'm gonna tattoo and that was back when I was doing the worst tattoos ever like you showed in that picture but like I knew that that's what I wanted you know and I, I, I've found tools along the way and through every trial I've found tools to help me get to that that place of you know being able to live out my uh live out my visions what what do your parents say now about your career oh they're blown away man they they never knew any of the i didn't know any of this was possible really when i first started mm -hmm. i just was passionate about art i just wanted to make art i didn't know any it could be like this i don't and and i'm doing it to a level now i don't think anyone ever knew it could be like this i've you know i've been able to you know i've been very fortunate enough to be able to redefine the way that people are tattooing and it's oh, dream come true my parents are blown away I, I just talked to my mom today I told her about my um the Olympus Art Institute for the first time mm -hmm. I was like yeah I'm teaching people how to tattoo online now stuff and she's like oh how's that going I was like well pre-launch I've had over 900 people sign up and she's like <laughs> what how many do you know how many countries is it all within the United States all over um all over every every country I I was just reading some this every morning. country all 180 yeah, countries. yeah dude I just had a, a a student sign up in Iran Slovenia Damn, Australia Japan I'm so I'm so grateful but yeah it's it's really cool and they're they're super proud I finally tattooed my mom a couple times oh dude that's so cool so special man they're yeah they're blown away. <laughs> That's so cool. So let's let's take it back to the transition. You're you're you know that you want to be a tattoo artist. You know that you want to open up Olympus Tattoo. I'm sure a defining moment was when that actually came to fruition, right? When you actually opened up your studio or whatever that was. What what was that time like in your life? Man, that was also a very big transformational period for me. I was working at this shop called Frost City here in Salt Lake great shop um and i at this time i had started traveling a lot so i had made a lot of friends in the tattoo industry that wanted to come here to visit me because when i become friends with someone i'm like friends with them and so I, I was visiting a lot of my friends and a lot of them were coming here to hang out and when my tattooer friends would come to utah i would ask the shop owner his name's fred frost if they could come work at the shop and it was cool at first, but like it kept happening so often. He's like, yo, this is enough. Like you, you're having people come in here all the time. And so like I knew that I had expired my stay really. And I knew that I had to have somewhere like my own home where I could invite my friends and not like put pressure on the shop or anything like that. And I had just felt like it was time. I, I had known that I wanted to open my shop for a couple of years now. In here, it made sense. And in here, it made sense. But 
in the real world, it was the worst time that it could have happened. Like, I just gone through a terrible breakup. I didn't have a lot of money. I had just like, I was very irresponsible with my money. Um, there was a lot of barriers in the way, but I knew that I wanted to do that. And I knew that it was, you know, it was what was right. When I decided that I wanted to open the shop, within the next three days, I had found a building, signed a lease, and spent the last of my money to to get into there. And I remember after I signed my lease, sitting there with my assistant, and I'm like, I have $151 in my account. Got to make this shit happen. We got to make this shit happen. <laughs> let's go. We got to schedule some tattoos. We got to let's do what we got to do. You know, so I put my work boots on and we figured it out. But it was, it was a very transformative time in my life, man. It was, it was cool because at that time I had discovered a lot about myself and a lot about balance. Um, and that year prior, the last year that I worked at Frost City, I had only taken four days off, four true days off. And I was working every day and I had seen my, my work elevate so much and it had transformed and I had gotten really good at tattooing mm -hmm. um for the first time I was like finally feeling proud as fuck of my work and I was like I'm a really good tattooer now I really want to highlight something really quickly yeah. the, the amount of time it took you to get to to that place uh is this co a common kind of misnomer or misconception with tattoo artists where they think I can start I can train for a year and then I'll be at your level is that kind, kind of common yes so common I see tattooers you know i see artists wanting to learn how to tattoo dropping like flies because they are in it for that instant gratification you know and they think that it's just going to happen overnight that they're going to like be able to just pick up a machine and just do it and figure it out and it took me years years to finally get to the place where i was like progressing with every tattoo and that's one thing that i i attribute to to fitness you know, is fitness has taught me instant gratification. <laughs> fitness has taught me delayed gratification. There you go. Because you're not just going to walk up at the gym first day in there and throw up four plates. That's not how it works. You're going to fuck yourself up. You're going to hurt yourself. You have to go in there every day and see almost no progression, constantly creating a habitual effort in, in consistently just putting forth your best effort and training and training and training. And then you'll look back and see the results, you know, but every day it's just going to suck. It's going to hurt. It's, you know, you'll eventually have fun with it, but you're not going to see those results for a long time. And I think that that's where a lot of people get things misconstrued is where they think that they're going to just all of a sudden like take a three day crash course and, big goaded and just like figure this out but it takes so much training and so much effort and so much consistency to to get that progress and that's why it's cool to be able to like put two pictures of my work next to each other from when I was like really shitty to where I am now because then I then I can see the results but day to day like it's just I'm just trying I'm just trying my best and training but that is one thing that um I've learned over the last decade, you know, I've been doing this for 13 years now and now I can see the results in retrospect, 
but it did not happen overnight, you know. And so this, and that's interesting because the people in the arena understand that. People who've been in there for a decade plus are like, oh, yeah, it, that applies, that lesson, patience, that fall in love with the progress, you know, overnight success is 10 years. Everybody in the arena knows that because they're in the arena. But the people that are just stepping into the arena in whatever vertical, in this case, you're talking about a tattoo artist. What I'm talking about, I'm talking about entrepreneurship or business or media or content creation. You know what I mean? Like, it's like this shit doesn't happen overnight. But it's hard because now you're stepping into the digital sp- digital product space. Like now you have an online course, an online academy, an institution. And so it's hard because like the front facing, and maybe this is a question I asked you, but like what is your front facing marketing for that? Was it just purely I'm starting this in- institution to help you to be- become a good artist? Or was it, you know, learning these three steps, how to make a million dollars as a tattoo artist? You know what I mean? <laughs> like the easy sell? Because mm-hmm. that seems like most people fall victim to that you know, get rich quick scheme. Mm -hmm. But I I don't see that with you. No. And, you know, I've been setting this up for, for years now and and sharing that picture, you know, and showing people that like, look, this is where I started and this is what I can do now and showing the time difference. And I think that's, and that's why I put the years on there to show people like the dedication over years, you know, and I'm not in the, in the, money-making business really i'm in the impact business you know i i share a lot of the importance of what tattooing does for people and even more that than it can make you money you know and i don't really talk so much about like how much artists can make um, being able to tattoo but the differences that they can make you know because that's something that i hold of utmost importance with people and that's the way that i market myself is i i have recognition in the fact that with what I do, I change the way that people look, which in turn changes the way that people look at themselves, which also changes the way that people feel about themselves and feel about their life and feel about the world around them, which changes people's lives. And that's so important. And the more that I dive into that and the more that I can help people with that, the more impactful tattooing becomes for people. And that's that's why people, you know, trust what I do and trust what I can help them do, you know. And how has that evolved over the years? Like right now, it sounds like you're very passion and purpose driven. Did or did you start like that, or did was that an evolution of your art? Um, it was an evolution, really, you know. And I I learned that over the years of um, just tattooing awesome people and connecting with my clients. Um, and I've always been very purpose driven. But I've, I've learned that the more that I've connected with my clients, you know, because at first people, <laughs> it's hard to be like really stoked on the experience when the tattoo sucks, you know what I mean? But um, that's, it's been an evolution and I've gotten a lot better at being able to connect with my clients. And it, it also came from getting tattooed, you know, because I'm also a tattoo collector and I've done so many tattoos. I've tattooed thousands of people now. And I don't remember every tattoo, you know, especially like early in you know, my early days. I don't remember every tattoo that I've done, but I do remember every moment of every tattoo that I've gotten. And the more that I started to recognize that, the more that I realized the people that I'm tattooing remember every single thing I say, every single thing I do. And even if they don't remember what I do or say, they remember how I made them feel in that moment. And so in that recognition, I have put so much 
effort into creating a beautiful experience for people because I know that that day is going to impact them in a huge way and they're going to always feel how I made them feel when they see that tattoo. And I want to make people feel empowered and I want to make people feel special and and seen and and acknowledged and powerful, you know, because that's, that's how I feel. And so I share that with people. And um, yeah, that's become such an integral part of, of you know, my businesses. That's really cool. Do you think you could have gained that awareness without being a tattoo collector? Maybe eventually, but, but you know, yes, I do. Um, that's just how I found it, you know, but we all, we all find that path of impact in different ways. So yes, I, I do absolutely think that. Um, that's just how I happen to find that, you know, because there's a lot of people that have that recognition that are making such huge impact that have never gotten a tattoo and like recognize that the way that they make people feel is so important, um, but they've never even been around a tattoo, you know. That's so true. I want to switch gears a little bit to your sense of style. So how do you cultivate your sense? I mean, when, when people see yeah. you, they're like, holy shit, this guy's super unique, right? So how, how, how did you cultivate that sense of style? And then how has it evolved over the last few years or last decade? Yeah, dude, shit. I watch a lot of anime, man. <laughs> there you go, there you go. <laughs> yeah, bro, I, I, love, I love fashion. I love, you know, I love clothes and I love to look good, you know? And that's something that... I've always <laughs> felt is if you look good, you feel good. And if you feel good, you play good. And and I like to just look really good. I I am very into fantasy. And so, you know, I'd watch I'd watch things like Lord of the Rings and I'd see Legolas pull up on the scene, just swagged out in a cape. <laughs> I'm like, why does everyone not dress like that? I want <laughs> That's how I'm trying to look, bro. Look yeah, how... but how did you get that though? That <laughs> eye? Because no, I don't. I'm. I can only speak for myself, but I never saw them. And I'm like, I want to wear that shit, right? On yeah. on uh, on that stuff. So where did that come from, dude? <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe just because from... you're a stylist in a past life, bro. That's that is your fucking <laughs> career, right? <laughs> like, I am you. a stylist to Kanye West. Yes, thank you, man. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like maybe just growing up in Utah, where everyone looks the same, like. <laughs> 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 every sunday everyone's dressed the same yeah come back from church yeah. yes yes yeah yeah i don't know and I, I get a lot of inspiration from from that and also like i'm really big into hip-hop and like in in streetwear and street fashion kind of has like developed in in that realm as well and it's something that i was like very you know just immersed in um i don't know i draw inspiration from a lot of things and i feel like Shit, the animes and, and shows that I grew up watching, I, I've always just been like, man, I need me, I need me a suit of armor, bro. You know? Wait, wait till, uh, wait till people see your avatar. Your was that Halloween or was that on your birthday? When no, did you... that was actually for a music festival out here. That is so dope. <laughs> <laughs> you literally dressed up as Avatar. How long did that costume take? How long did it? That was eight hours. Dude, that is so sick. Yeah, that was that was a cool one, man. I love cosplay. I love to I love to dress up, man, and that was, that was a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> so the anime, like the affinity towards anime, uh, not a lot of people might know this, but you are a big Pokemon collector. Yeah. How many cards, and what is what is the value of your collection today? Millions, bro. I don't even. For real? Yeah. Millions of dollars in Pokemon <laughs> cards. <laughs> Let's go. Is that funny to say yeah. out loud? You're like, yeah, yeah, I got millions of dollars in Pokemon cards. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I've 
always loved Pokemon. And like, I've always wanted that, you know, I've mm-hmm. always wanted to have the cards that I have now. And I feel like that's another way of me fulfilling my childhood dreams is finally giving myself the Pokemon card collection I could never have as a kid. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love Pokemon and I've always loved Pokemon. I'm, I'm I'm not like a a reseller. I've never sold like I've never like gone out and like sold my collection. I I collect it to keep it because that's what I've always wanted. And the way I see it, shit, like I know a lot of every single person I know has money, you know, at varying amounts. I I know a lot of people with a lot of money, but I don't know anyone with that first edition Shadowless Charizard, bro. Oh, let's go. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it sounds lucrative. It that's sounds that very, one, very, man. Very valuable. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah, that's that's the most valuable one in my collection right now. I, th- I, I just saw Logan Paul bought one for a million dollars not oh, too nice. long ago. Hell yeah. Yeah. How much did you buy it for? Did, did you just luck out? This is the craziest thing. I lucked out. I, I tried to buy it, and the dude, I did a tattoo for it. Oh. Yeah. That is the probably the most valuable, like the most expensive tattoo ever done, actually. This so this dude was trying to get tattooed by me for a couple years. And I had turned down his inquiry three years in a row. And he wanted he wanted a, a memorial piece for his grandpa. But I don't do memorial pieces. Like if it's a portrait, it has to be of like someone that I want to do it of, you know. And so I turned down his inquiry a couple times and I had done an Instagram story where someone's like What's your biggest fantasy? Like trying to get like, you know, a sexy answer out of me. And I was like, my biggest fantasy is if someone gave me a first edition Shadowless base set Charizard. <laughs> and this dude slides in my DMs. He's like, I have that. And oh. I just happened to see his DM. I was like, no way. And so I was like, prove it. Sends me a picture of a video. And he had it. It was real. And I was like, and so he's like, I've been trying to get tattooed by you for years. You always say no to my requests. I'll give you this card for a tattoo. And I was like, bro, do you know how much that's worth? You could go sell that and go get your whole body tattooed by someone. He's like, but I want you to do it. And I was like, no way. He's like, and I know this is the only way that I can convince you to do my tattoo. And I was like, if you're serious, I'd love to. But, and he's like, okay, I'll mail it out. And I was like, no, you cannot put that thing in the mail. You have to come here in in person and like show me that. Like you cannot put that in the mail. So he drove out the next day from Denver, Colorado with his wife and kids. And he brought that card and it was real. And we did the trade. Did you do a, like, did you validate it Mm -hmm. and everything? How do you get those validated? So um, there's a bunch of companies out there that um, you can you can send it in and they'll they'll grade it and all that stuff and so that is so dope a million dollar tattoo right there yeah <laughs> <laughs> sounds bro. crazy when you say it like that yeah. <laughs> that's a trip bro yeah so the, another thing that's really cool about what you do is you have this what is it a company is it just like what what is Tat Ventures considered bro Tat Venture is the single most amazing, impactful tattoo experience in the whole fucking world. There you go. <laughs> That's what it is. There you go. <laughs> so the the economics of it are fascinating, like so dope. So they got you got to go to your shop, right? Your online shop, and then mm-hmm. every purchase you make goes towards like a raffle style ticket. Yep. For Tat Ventures. Yeah. How many have you done thus far? Um, six. Six. Yep. I'm so about to do my seven. Where have you Where have you taken the winners for Tat Ventures? So the first one, we went to Oregon. Second one, we went to Hawaii. 
Third one, we went to Moab. Fourth one, we went to the Florida Keys. Fifth one, we went to New Orleans. And the sixth one, we went to Paris, France. Let's go. What's yeah. the seventh one, bro? Dubai. <laughs> Let's go. Yes, the seventh is to Dubai. That's so dope. Yes. So what, What? I mean, doing that, what have you learned? Like, has it has it been as a learning experience for you? Like what, like, yeah, what are the lessons from doing something like that? Cause it's, it's super unique, right? I've learned so much through this, so much. It has been the craziest idea that I've had so far. Maybe, you know, I, it, it started, um, just as an idea, bro. I was <laughs> back when I used to smoke, I was back in my backyard smoking a blunt with my homie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I love tattooing, but I want to do something different. I want to do something bigger than anyone's ever done before. You know, I'm an extremist. I like to do things the biggest. And I was like, I want to do something that changes people's life in the biggest way possible with tattooing. And I want to create an experience that's out of this world. And it just like clicked. And I was like, oh my God, I I want to be the Willy Wonka of tattooing and give them the whole chocolate factory, you know? And I want to like, because that's the thing is, my tattoos are really expensive now and I know that not everyone can get that. So I wanted to create something that someone that wouldn't usually be able to get tattooed by me can get the craziest experience ever. And so a big part of what I do is self-developmental. You know, I'm very much about self-mastery and pushing yourself past boundaries and and breaking barriers and pushing past self-limiting beliefs. And so I've incorporated everything that um, I love, that everything I believe in, and combined it with what I do. And so how it works is every dollar that someone spends on my merch gets them an entry into the giveaway. And at the end of the period, I choose one winner, and I take them on a life-changing adventure, and I give them a tattoo, hence the name Tatventure, right? Mm. And so we do a lot of things that have helped me push past my fears and my boundaries we go skydiving we've swam with sharks we've jumped off cliffs we've done all of these amazing things that are very fear inducing and we break past a lot of barriers together i really get to know these people and i really get to connect and see how i can help them individually and then i give them an awesome masterpiece of a tattoo to commemorate the experience Wow, dude, that's so epic. Yeah, man, it is so epic. In a perfect world or in your ideal world, what is like the the craziest thing you can think of for one of those tap venture? Oh. Have you thought of something you want to do that you can't or you haven't done yet for that? Um, there's nothing I can't do. That's, <laughs> that's one of the things that I've learned through uh-huh. tap venture is there's right. nothing I can't do. I'm unlimited. There's no boundaries. I just anything that I haven't done, I just haven't done it yet. And that's how the progression of this experience has evolved is I've had ideas like, I want to do this, I want to do this. And it keeps getting bigger. And at first it was four days and then it grew into a week. Now it's 10 days and I've wanted to do even more things. And so I've just like figured out how to make more money doing it so we can do bigger things. I've gotten better at advertising it so we can have more entries so we can do more on the trip. I have always put all the money back into the experience, you know, and so... Um, that, the, the next biggest thing I thought of was I want to go to Dubai and like go experience that with people, you know, and there's so many more things that I want to do. And really the only limits of, of Tavventure is, you know, 
how many places there are in the world. And that's a big part of how I'm able to check things off of my bucket list is I go to places that I, I want to go and I want to experience things that I've always, you know, dreamed of experiencing. And then I take these people with me and it's like, I'm getting a lot of these creative ideas. I'm like, what if you partnered with the UFC and like you flew out to Dubai and then you guys had like, you know, toured with the UFC or like got in the octagon with your, with the person that wins the, the entry yes. or tap ventures and Red Bull or tap ventures and Mr. Beast. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And yes. so you give this fucking crazy, I mean, it's kind of corporate, but mm-hmm. just the budget goes from, you know, 10, 10,000, hundred, I don't know how much it costs you, but like millions of dollars. That's what, that's why the, the vision is. Oh. Mr. Beast is a big, uh, dude, he's a hero of mine, man. He's a very big inspiration of mine. And the way that he you know, does his giveaways and stuff, that's that's the levels that I want to take this to. I want to be able to give these people the craziest experiences and, like, do the wildest stuff, you know, like, fucking go into space and shit. Like, yes, I want SpaceX. to do, yes, be... you know. Like, Tab Venture <laughs> sponsored by Elon, Elon Musk, bro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he'd be down. Just tweet him. Just tweet him. <laughs> so, dude, that's so up. What's the future for you? What's that? I'm sure you're a big visionary. Just from speaking to you, you're, you're virtually like everything's virtually limitless for you, right? What's next? Oh, there's so much next. Um, some of it I can talk about. Some Come on, it. bro. <laughs> you're going to get the exclusive. Yeah. Um, one thing that is of huge, you know, a huge source of fulfillment for me, like I've said, is impact. I love speaking. I love helping to mentoring and coaching and I love to talk and I love to like tell stories. I'm a, I'm a storyteller and I love to tell the stories of my life and how I've gotten, you know, like doing this is, I love this, you know, and I love being able to shed light on my, my failures and my successes and the bridge between the two, you know, and so a lot of mentorship and um, leadership cultivating coming up in my future. You know, um, I'm very big into design, you know, and like you said, um, my, I love fashion mm-hmm. and, um, that is an avenue that Tab Venture has given me the option to explore is designing more. You know, I've always loved designing clothes and designing shoes and designing jewelry. And so that is a lot of, um, my plans in the future, um, opening up tattoo shop locations of places that I like to visit. You know, I have my first shop here in Utah as home base, and I want to. Um, I'm really excited to have tattoo shops in various places that I like to travel to. I love traveling. Um, the and Tat Venture has has opened my eyes to that world and allowed me to go places I've never, you know, never gone and and fulfilling those dreams. So Tat Venture is that's going to be a huge part of um, what I do. The Tat Venture 2.0 experience I'm about to um, unveil is going to be huge. Um, and nobody knows this yet, so this will be the first time I've ever talked about this. Um, but the next Tat Venture after Dubai is going to be a childhood dream come true of mine. And I'm excited to see who I get to take on this. But it's going to be to Tokyo, Japan. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that that is going to um, encapsulate everything that I do 
and it's going to open it up to more people being able to come. Um, traditionally, every time that I've done Tap Venture, we've taken one winner, um, and I'm now opening up three more spots for people to come on that. Um, and it's going to be a high ticket item that people can pay for to come on. And it's going to be a lot bigger and deeper challenging experience that includes a lot more. I'm excited. I'm talking about it. Yeah. I'm excited too. This is awesome. This sounds awesome. Yeah. It's cool. It's going to be very, very challenging. Um, a lot more like focus on the self-development and self-mastery side of tap venture um and yeah i mean i'm that's all i can really say about it right now yeah yeah um but that's that's really exciting um a lot of uh music involved in what's coming up (laughs) can't say too much about that either like uh (laughs) Hell yeah. Okay, so this next segment of the Adaptive Leaders podcast is a new segment. So you're the first guest to be introduced to this segment. So we um, we want to start raising money for charities and for nonprofits. That's something that, you know, that's in my future. Either l- launching a foundation or just helping support a key few players in, in, in certain uh, industries and things that I'm passionate and, and purpose-driven around. So uh, this, this challenge, I'm, we haven't named it yet. The idea is... We want to raise for every couple minutes. So every two minutes you can spend in an ice bath, we'll put $100 towards the foundation. So with that challenge, is that something that you're open to doing? Absolutely. I'm down for the challenge, baby. Let's go. He's making shit happen in his industry. He's mastering the craft right now. So thanks again, brother. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Let's go. Where can people find you? You can find me online. All of my socials are at Winnie the Drew. Um, online at tatventure.com, olympustattoogallery.com, olympusartinstitute.com, and um, Olympus Tattoo on everything as well. So go check me out on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, on my websites. Yes. Let's go. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Adaptive Leaders Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I enjoyed hosting it. Uh, do me a favor, like, subscribe, share the content, and rate and review the podcast so we can get a broader audience. I uh, truly appreciate it. Thanks again for your awareness, and we appreciate your attention. Till next time, peace.